Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good morning, everybody. Some of you know that I have uh, a naval background. When I, taught, when I taught at Lawnswood School during the 1980s, we had the Falklands War. And I had two students in one class who would meet with me after every lesson I taught them, and sometimes a bit more besides. One was waiting to go into the Navy as a naval airman. The other one was waiting to join the Royal Marines. And after each lesson, we would talk through what had been going on in the Falklands and what might happen next. The student waiting to enter the Royal Navy, he had a brother who was down in the South Atlantic on HMS Invincible. So we got regular news on what was going on, particularly on HMS Invincible. The captain of HMS Invincible was a guy called Captain Jeremy Black. His first two initials were JJ, so he was known to everybody as JJ. Now, what do you, where do you think the captain was most of the time when he was down in the Falklands? We have a sort of picture of ship's captains, don't we, of standing on the bridge uh, with maybe some binoculars and saying things like, um, steer two, four, zero degrees or whatever. But in fact, in wartime and on exercise, the captain is not on the bridge at all. He's in the operations room. The person on the bridge is the officer of the watch. But when he was in the South Atlantic, Captain Black, he might occasionally be on the bridge, spent a lot of his time in the operations room, but he also spent an awful lot of time going round the mess decks, talking to the sailors. He saw supporting the crew as one of his primary tasks. And he was well known for giving crunchy bars to sailors. If they'd done something good, or they needed to be congratulated, he'd give them a crunchy bar. And so he has another known, as well as JJ, he was also known as Captain Crunchy. You will gather his crew loved him. On his return, um, they, they decided to show their appreciation for how he looked after them by going round wearing T-shirts round the city of Portsmouth, and on the front was written, there and black, there and back with J.J. JJ Black. In fact, I'm told that as the HMS Invincible was coming into Portsmouth on its return from the Falklands, somebody got up and painted on the funnel there and back with J.J. Black. I've tried to verify that, but I can't find it anywhere, but it has been told to me by somebody. So, being a ship's captain is not just being on the bridge. Now, my talk this morning has a subtitle. The subtitle is, It's Not Just. Because just as captains aren't always on the bridge, so our reading from Hebrews tells us that being a Christian is not just about what you believe. It's about the whole of life. The author to the uh, letter to the Hebrews spends a lot of time writing about Jewish Christian theology because the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews was written to a Jewish Christian community 
possibly in Rome. At the end, however, in chapter 13, he writes a chapter on which he talks about a range of different areas where being a Christian should make a difference. So he moves from writing about Christian belief to writing about Christian behaviour. And in the space of one chapter, he writes about hospitality, helping Christian brothers and sisters who are in trouble, marriage, money, Christian leaders, false teaching, sharing with others and doing a good. You see, being a Christian is not just about what you believe, it's about the whole of life. Now I'm going to look at two of those issues. You'll be glad that I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm going to look at two. One is how Christians should relate to those outside the church serving the city, and the other is about an internal church issue. The issue which focuses on how Christians might relate to other people is showing hospitality to strangers. Now, obviously, there were no aeroplanes or trains or cars in New Testament times. But nevertheless, people did move around from town to town. Some would be making or selling goods. Some would be itinerant teachers. St. Paul himself, of course, was an itinerant preacher, and he was also a tent maker. And the writer of our letter suggests that Christians should be hospitable to such people. Some might be travelling Christians like St. Paul, but others would simply what our author calls strangers, who were in need of a meal or short-term accommodation. Jesus spent a lot of his ministry, if you, re- if you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus always seems to be somewhere having a meal with people. In fact, you can do a Google search and you can find a number of university theses on Jesus eating meals. There's one called The Significance of the Meal in St. Luke's Gospel. Another one is called Table Fellowship, Teaching and the Spirit in Luke Acts. And another one is called Communitas of the Tables, Jesus the Marginalised and the Modern Church. Christian hospitality in the early church was seen as a way of carrying on the tradition of Jesus who would eat with all sorts of people. Eating together was seen as a picture of the future kingdom of God where everybody would be welcome. And it was a way of reflecting the hospitality that God offers us in the person of Jesus. Entertaining strangers is not having our friends round for a meal. They're not strange enough. For us, it might be offering um, accommodation to a Ukrainian refugee. It might be offering a meal to someone in your road who you know is lonely. Or it might be offering a meal to somebody in St George's who you know lives on their own. Some of us in the Interfaith Dialogue group offer meals to Jews, Christians and Muslims. And there on the screen you can see an occasion not just a few weeks ago when some of our staff, Josh and Eve, 
got together in my house for a breakfast with some of the Jewish and Muslim leaders in the city. Why do we offer hospitality to Jews, Christians and Muslims together? Firstly, it's a way to show that we love our neighbour. Secondly, it's part of serving the city objective of St George's. And thirdly, it's a way of showing support to those who are sometimes marginalised and insulted. Last year, hate crime on the grounds of religion increased by 37%. And some of you may remember uh, we had a rabbi and an imam talking uh, on the screen a year or so ago about difficulties they had as Jews and Muslims. One Jewish student, you'll remember, that Rabbi Kleiman talked about was in a pub in Headingley and somebody next to her or near her said to her, are you Jewish? Are you a Jew? And when she said yes, she was told, well, we should have gassed a lot of you. And those of you who read the BBC News will have noticed on the BBC News website, I think it was yesterday or the day before, a report about a Jewish, another Jewish student in Leeds who'd been assaulted. Local Jews and Muslims, including, including students, sometimes face hate crime. That's why Jewish students tell us they sometimes like to go to what they call a Jew-niversity. Get it? Or to be short, a Jew-ni. When they, when they leave home to go to university, they have to make a decision. Am I, go to, am I going to go to any university, or am I going to go to a Jew-niversity, as they call it? And many of them go to a Jew-niversity because it's a university where there are lots of Jewish students, and they therefore feel safe. The three main Jewish universities, universities are Leeds, Birmingham, and Nottingham. Of course, catering for Jewish, Jewish people and Muslim people can sometimes be difficult. I had one Jewish student who did quite a lot of work uh, with, with some other students, including students here from St George's. <coughs> and I said to him, um, I'm going to invite you in a few weeks uh, to my home to come and have a meal with me. And he said, ah, oh, well, uh, that's very nice of you, but I don't think it'll be possible. I'm very Jewish, and I'm very kosher. And I said, well, there might be ways of getting around the problem. Anyway, eventually I had a conversation with him, and I said, right, now let's see if we can get you to my house with some other students. What we ended up with, he came to our house, he brought his own microwave kosher meal, microwaved it in our microwave, and then he ate it off a, a wooden plate which I gave him. I bought some wooden plates, wooden knife, wooden, spit, wooden fork, and he therefore ate his meal. Because, of course, Jewish, if you're a very strict Jewish person, strict Jew, you won't eat food off a plate that's been used for non-kosher food. So he had a, a wooden plate and his pudding was a banana. But he was so grateful. He really was. He said to me afterwards, that's really wonderful. I've been in Leeds for three years. I never, I've never been outside student land. I've never been in anybody's house for a meal. Thank you so much. 
Let's now look at the second issue relating to those inside the church. The writer to the Hebrews explains how they should regard their leaders. He tells them they should obey them and imitate them. I'm looking at Lizzie. <laughs> there are hints in the book of Hebrews that there are problems in the church to which the letter was written. And that may be why the writer wants them to obey their leaders. In chapter 2, the Hebrews are told to, quote, pay more attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away. In chapter 5, the writer warns the church against turning away from the living God. He accuses some in the church of being slow to learn. And he says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. There were clearly some difficulties in the church. And the writer suggests that they should get behind their leaders and become better followers of the way, as being a Christian was called in the early church. Showing hospitality to strangers is advice that we should follow whenever we can. But what about the advice to obey our leaders? As I said, the writer's instruction to the Hebrews was given because some of the people in the early church were falling down and falling badly. I would expect that obedience as such in a church today will not generally be needed in quite the same way. I would expect that where there are problems, we would discuss and, discuss and negotiate, just as we would do at work. But nevertheless, there are times at work when we do need to obey the person in charge, and sometimes we will need to do the same in church. Take J.J. Black. What would happen if all his crew decided to do their own thing instead of obeying him? Just occasionally, church leaders get things wrong. They are human like the rest of us. I know, for, exam for example, that there are some churches where clergy have been accused of bullying uh, their congregation. When my mother-in-law died, in, in, I won't say where, when my mother-in-law died, and we were arranging her funeral, the funeral director talked to us through a number of possibilities for the funeral. And one of the things they said was, well, we don't suggest you go and have your funeral at the local church. The vicar's not actually very good at getting on with people. You'll have to, you won't have any say in the funeral. He decides what you have, and that's what you get. So I wouldn't actually go there. A year or so ago, there was one diocese where the clergy actually rode up against the local bishop uh, the bishop ended up retiring. So there will be instances where obeying the clergy is difficult or even the wrong thing to do. But these are rare. And if you feel that you've been in this position and suffered in this way, either at St George's or elsewhere or at work, and the wound is still feel raw, you might like to come forward for prayer afterwards or seek pastoral support. Here at St George's, 
we should be immensely grateful for our leaders. They ensured that through COVID, we survived. They helped us to adapt. We all know Swalesy kept Lighthouse going, don't we? And got his MBE. Many of our staff have adapted their role, taken on more work, or done things differently. Lizzie was appointed director of St George's, but now she looks after three churches. With the departure of our student pastor, Eve has taken on more work so that she can oversee some of the student work. Matthew Dransfield has been filling a gap staffing in the church centre. They've all kept us on the road of our four objectives, preaching the gospel, making disciples, serving the city, and sending out leaders. We should say thank you to our leaders and support them. I'm sure I've missed some leaders out, of course, but then leaders at St George's are manifold. We've got leading on finance, leading in the office, leading worship, leading small groups, leading IT. The list is endless. There are lots of people at St George's who lead. And it's not just the dog collar people or those who are paid. Let's recap. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews spent a lot of his letter writing about Jewish Christian theology. At the end, however, in chapter 13, he reminds his readers that being a Christian is not just about theology or what you believe. It's about the whole of life. He reminds us that our whole life should be shot through with our faith. It's like Captain Black. It's not just being on the bridge. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray that we may in our own lives demonstrate that our faith is not just about what we believe, but about the whole of our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.